This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, good morning from California, Heidi. Good morning. Good afternoon from New York, I should say. All right. Well, you know what I was thinking of? We went to that publicity summit in New York City, and we pitched to one of the major men's magazines, and we thought it was so funny because we were talking about Open to Hope, healing after loss to everyone and the mother-daughter team and how great you guys are, all that are listening. We were so pleased to tell them that we have over 200,000 people that actually download and listen to this show all together as a community. It's amazing. And we were just so happy to talk about our authors and to show people our books. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a wonderful event to be able to go talk about Open to Hope. But, you know, uh, we went to a men's magazine and, and I had to laugh a little bit because we were pitching, you know, men and loss and that kind of thing. And he looked at us and said, you know, I've got an idea for you, for you, for an article about you and for you. And we're like, really? What? And he said, how men feel when their favorite team loses in the National Basketball Association finals. <laughs> Yeah. We said, okay, we can do that. And this guy, this guy was like, this guy was like, this is a serious loss, ladies. This is. I said, okay, yeah. I yeah. believe you. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go down that road. I, I'm not gonna uh, argue so with you. So we had, I had my son-in-laws uh, write some stuff about how they felt when their team loses, and it was pretty funny going, going to the cave and all this kind of stuff. So, so we're gonna uh, pitch them a little article about that. So we'll talk to Bob Bauer about it today. Right. Well, you know, Mom, Mom, in all seriousness, there's some overlap. I mean, there's some stuff that that our family members and the, these guys that we interviewed gave us that, you know what, I think really applies to grief and loss. I mean, my brother-in-law said something which reminds me of Eric Hipple. We wrote a book called Real Men Do Cry after he, you know, his son died by suicide, and they both said something similar. My brother-in-law, John, said, look, when I have a loss, I go to the man cave, and I cry, also known right. as the basement. Now, I, right, I think that Eric, Eric said the same thing. He said, I grieve on my own time, in my own place, and I know Bob's going to speak to this today, and I don't want people to see it because we've been told, suck it up, walk it off. Exactly, and, and Eric, cry. just to fill you in, people who haven't read the book, it is a great book, Real Men Do Cry, and it talks about Eric, who was a quarterback for the Detroit Lions for nine years, and his son died by suicide, and his horrendous journey back to health and healing and to now be the outreach coordinator for the University of Michigan Depression Center. But he does talk about going down in his basement and lighting a candle and uh, compartmentalizing mm -hmm. things. So, yes. Yeah. So anyway, let's get on with the men, Hyde. Why don't you introduce Bob Bauer? Okay. Bob is seriously one of my all-time favorite people, and I'm not just blowing smoke of his skirt or whatever you want to say. Uh-oh, you mean his pant like Heidi, really? I've got to tell you, when I was, before I was even, I was embarking on my doctoral dissertation many years ago. It was, I think, 2001 or 2002. And I went to Bob, who I didn't even know, and said, look, I want to write a doctoral dissertation in my psychology program on the sudden death of a sibling. And I don't even know if Bob remembers this. And I said, I need to brainstorm and I need to talk to you. And he didn't even know me. This is at a Compassionate Friends conference. He took time out 
sat down with me and really helped me to organize my thoughts and organize how I was going to do this dissertation. And I am ever grateful for him that he did that for me. And I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. So thank you, thank you, Bob. He is a very generative and giving person. He's been doing workshops for Compassionate Friends for many years, and people absolutely love what he says and how he says it. He's extremely genuine. And he is a psychology instructor at Highline Community College in Washington State, where he teaches courses in psychology and death education. Like I said, he's a much sought-after speaker. He's written seven books, many, many articles. And he is right now finishing a video, and it's called Men and Their Grief 20 Years Later. Welcome, welcome, Bob Bauer. Thank you. Thanks for the kind <laughs> words. Wow. Yes, I'm here, up in, I'm here up in Seattle at Highline Community College, um, speaking on the phone to you folks. And, yeah, so Gloria uh, contacted me a couple months ago and said, hey, how about talking about men and grief again? What about men and grief? Do they grieve differently than women? Well, I think the first thing is that, you know, as humans, we're more similar to each other, men and women, than, than we are different. And so, as everything, there's a lot of overlap, but there are certain issues that certainly come up with men. And, and yeah, you're right, Heidi, we're just on the verge, hopefully, this summer of releasing this video called Men and Grief 20 years later, because we originally did the video in 1992. Um, talking to eight men, I, I moderated it about their issues relating to grief and loss, a loss of a, of a child, a loss of a, of a sibling, a, um, a parent, a, a wife, and so on. And, um, and so now we were able to track six of these eight guys up uh, 20 years later, and so we're talking to them about, you know, what helped, what didn't, and so on. So we're very excited. About that is amazing, that, um, Bob. So you, yeah, you've yeah. gotten a hold of, what, six of the original, and you are talking yes. to them 20 years later so that they can talk exactly. to you about what their journey has looked like over time. Exactly. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, one of them died, and one of them lives in Arizona, and the other ones we were able to round up and, and uh, took video, and they're editing it um, now and should have it done in, the, in a few months. But, um, but you know, the issues are, are um, you know, similar to women in some ways and, and, and yet different. And, you know, as we well know, I'm, I'm going to, the general stereotype that we we expect men to do two things, you know, that are sort of paradoxical. One is we expect them to be tough and macho and all that kind of stuff. And then the other one, we expect them to be sensitive and caring and open and so on. And so I think men have a special challenge as they deal with the loss of a, of a loved one to, you know, how much do I cry and show what I'm really feeling and how much do I, you know, sort of suppress that and, and put that away and and yeah, there have been some um, some good books written, you know, about that. You, you mentioned Nichols' um, book, and and you know, there's uh, the original one called Men and Grief by Carol Stodiker, and you know, her issues around looking at men for the first time in ways that people really didn't think about before. But but I, yeah, I gave a workshop last year at Compassion Friends on this on this topic, and they asked they asked me to do it again because it because it is so so important. But let's let's launch into a couple things. One is that from an anatomical standpoint, when we look at men and women's brains, we find that there are more connections from verbal to emotional areas in, in women's brains. And so women, you know, have it has somehow have easier access to talk about, you know, what they feel. Whereas men and I love um, the uh, the book Swallowed by a Snake, uh, where mm-hmm. you know he he says you know, don't ask a man necessarily, how do you feel about that? Which, of course, is the famous psychology question, you know. But, or, you know, what emotions are coming up for you? But it, it's more of, so 
what's going on in your body? You know, so here's a man who's, whose son died, and, you know, it's been a couple years, and, you know, of course, sometimes we don't want to ask him how he's doing. What do we do? We ask him how his wife is doing, right? Because that's, that's easier. Because, you know, he might tell us how he's doing. But, but sometimes, you know, it's important to say to us, to say to him, what's going on in your stomach, you know? And him to be able to say, I don't know, my stomach feels, feels like it feels empty, you know? What's going on in your heart? Oh, I feel like my, my heart's just being squeezed. And so what do you think's going on there? I don't know, like a choking feeling, like, like anxiety, like something else is going to happen. And so sometimes just sort of focusing in on bodily sensation is a way to help, you know, a man get in touch with, you know, you know, sometimes guys don't want to get in touch with it, though. We were at this publicity summit, and uh, I was introduced, we were introduced to a guy, and and somehow we got talking about uh, what we were doing, grief and loss, and he's like, <clears throat> oh, yeah, my son died five years ago, and I said, how long ago? Five years, and, and my grandson just died two years ago, and then he wanted to talk about his daughter, but I could see he was very uncomfortable. He did not want to go to that space. And Heidi said, well, you know, this isn't a place he wants to, to do it. A woman could tear up and wipe her eyes and go on. It's hard for a guy to do that. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, for all kinds of reasons. The embarrassment and, uh, you know, the whole idea of pain. Um, they did, you know, I always talk about the uh, research by um, Dr. John Gottman who um, looked mm-hmm. at how couples argue and one of the things that, you know, he found was that there are sort of five factors that influence that. But one of them was, was stonewalling. That is, you know, right in the middle of an argument, one person gets up and leaves. And, you know, in some couples, neither of them do it. Some couples, both of them do it. But, but uh, for many, many couples, one does, does it and the other doesn't. And, and we have a name for these people who, who tend to get up and want to leave in the middle of an argument. These people are called... <laughs> right. Well, as I remember from John's work, uh, once a person gets, uh, a man gets upset, it takes 20 minutes for them to calm down. And it, women don't have that calm down factor because of the adrenaline rush. Yeah, at least, at least that. And maybe it has to do with these receptors. Well, I know it has to do with oxytocin and the female horn have more calm down uh, kinds of things. You know, is, isn't it true that all of the research that Cellier did was done on men? So all that stress research is about men. They didn't even include women in the research. Yes, and and yet now reverse that, and much of the early research on grief was more of women's grief. That you know the way you cope with your grief is you know you emote and you and you get it out and you cry and you talk to someone and and so on. And so um, I think we're just over the past decade or so with Bilka and Martin's book on men don't cry, women do, and all that. That we're now beginning to appreciate. Wait a minute, there's. There's something going on here with men's grief that we need to understand. But yeah, my mom and I are always saying, and you know this from from all the research that's been done. Women, we like to look at each other. We like to stare at each other. We like to do a lot of nonverbal. Uh huh. Yeah. What? You know, a lot of men, not all men, but a lot of men, they like to grieve shoulder to shoulder, not yeah. eye to eye necessarily. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I agree. That 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 just makes it easier. And you know, I mean, think of them. You know, you're talking about. The loss of a sport, when a sports team loses, then what are they doing? They're sitting next to each other, you know, looking at mm-hmm. some third, you know, third party, third factor going on. But back to Gottman's research, his, you know, what he found was that when people are hooked up to physiological indicators and they are arguing about something, which means then we got physiological arousal going on, that yes, men are more likely to have higher levels of heart rate, blood pressure, galvanic skin response, and all of that, which means at some level, that we need to really get 
sometimes when people are talking about something that's very difficult and their physiology begins heating up, they are in some degree of pain. So it looks like walking away or closing down is just their brain's way of protecting themselves at that moment. And so, you know, you get, you know, a, a wife saying, you know, he won't talk about our daughter or, you know, a, you know, a sister dies and other brother, you know, the other sister says, how come my brother doesn't talk about our sister? I, I can't understand. And part of it is we need to understand that this person is in some degree of pain and that they need some time to, you know, a, and a way to approach that. And I think the more we can appreciate that, you know, the better. So, um, and, and the interesting research on, you know, um, Doka and Martin and their, their look at what's called intuitive grief versus instrumental grief. And, you know, intuitive means that, that, you know, people are in touch with their emotions and are talking about it and getting it out and, you know, sharing it and going to groups and so on where, where, you know, instrumental grief was more doing things and, you know, uh, whether it's planting a tree or building something or, or working on some project that maybe at some level in the name of the, their loved one who died, um, we more often see men doing that. Yeah, Ann Hood talks about, uh, she's the one who wrote The Knitting Circle. We've had her on, and she talks about her husband bricking their whole yard up. Wow. Her hand wow. Up. <laughs> she said wow. everything was bricked. Yeah, in the Men in Grief Cake, we get 20 years ago, the, there's a man whose wife died, and before that, his child died. So there's both this man and his son. The son loses a sibling. The man loses his child, who was in his 20s, and they said that they went to this house that um, needed to work on, and they gutted it. And I remember the, the son is saying, we gutted it top to bottom, you know, just smashing everything. And the father's <laughs> nodding his head like, yep, that's, you know, and that's what... It felt like we needed at the time. We were doing something. Now, if someone came along to them, tapped them on the shoulder and said, excuse me, do you realize that you're, you know, you're working on your grief in this way? They said, no, we're just gutting this house. You know? so, <laughs> I, I was going to yeah. say, what a great way to release right. your emotions yeah. for a guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. things and destroying things and tearing things apart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, Abel Keogh, one of our authors whose uh, wife died by suicide. In fact, he's in our, got an article in our book, Open to Hope Inspirational Stories, and a great story. And Abel was looking at an old house to buy when his wife was still living, and uh, she shot herself. And he bought that house, and his friends spent a year coming over and helping him fix it up. Wow, wow, there you go. So, Bob, I have, yeah. I have a prepping question for you. Was there anything that surprised you in interviewing these men 20 years later? Um, that's a good question. What surprised me? I think how it didn't take much at all to, and this is not going to surprise you, and the people who know about grief and loss and, and the people who are listening, but I think what just came up again was 20 years later, you know, here's a man talking about the death of his 9-year-old daughter, and he's tearing up. That and, and you know what that says is guess what it doesn't go away. We never get to zero in our grief, and mm-hmm. I think that that's the power of this this upcoming video is that yes, whether you like it or not, you moved on. And one of the ways you move on when someone dies, as we all know, is you get up the next day whether you like it or not, and you go through the day, and suddenly that's one day, and then it's then it's another day, then it's a week, then it's two weeks, then it's a month, then it's a year. And it's like, my God, how did this happen? And now for these minutes, you know, it's more than 20 years, and yet 
when we sat down and we and I asked them the questions, they were right back there again, just experiencing yeah. those same emotions. And so it shows you that it doesn't go right. But yeah, but the recovery is quicker. And how? How the, the big fear is early on that you'll forget, and that's why I see this as a really positive thing that they can tear up and get there because it says to all you folks out there that are listening right now, you're not going to forget. Yeah. And going to that emotion is kind of joyous. It's kind of neat actually. A- after you recover a little bit, because it's been a while for me, and after you go to that emotion, you come out and you say, "Wow, that's okay." Um, some people were just interviewing me for that uh, grief toolbox, and I got very passionate and upset about Scott, but it felt good. I felt like, "Wow, I still got it there, and uh, it's good." You know, I'm not going to lose that memory and feeling. You're still connected, like you said, yeah, Mom. And they're all kinds. The rebound is quicker. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, you can. You know, whether it's writing a story or asking someone else. I tell my students when I'm teaching this deaf class this quarter again, and I tell my students, ask them how many of you have had a friend die when you were younger. And I said, don't be afraid to call their parents. It doesn't matter how many years it's been. And yeah. say, you know, I was thinking about your son the other day, and I, and I wanted to tell you a story. And I say to my students, trust me, they will love you for that because that's totally. how we leave our stories. Yeah. That's Hi, you tell him about Facebook, what's been happening to you. That, that's why I love the Internet. Yes, you know this, Bob. You post things on Facebook and you hear from people from a million years ago and, and they tell you stories about your loved ones. And it's like you said, it is the biggest gift you can do someone to call someone years later and say, hey, I remember this or I remember that. One other, one other thing I really wanted to ask you, Bob, is what helps guys? What helps guys in the grief process find hope again? I think number one is, you know, educating them about it, just like what you're doing right now with your program and with Open to Hope and all that. Because I think guys often, you know, grieve in silence um, because they've never done this before. And, you know, we don't talk about grief in, in society in general. And so I think the first thing is to educate them and help them to understand that here are all these ways that your grief can come out and you are in a crazy world that um, you've never experienced before and... You know, to know more about, here's what the craziness is. You're going to feel this. People are going to say that. They're going to, they're going to try to lay cliches on you. They're going to try to hope that you're better when you're really not. They're going to say what's wrong with me. So, of course, as an, you know, an educator myself, that's always the first place to go is little booklets, pamphlets, movies, you know, the radio show and so on that are going to help people understand this is what grief is all about. Now, tell people, you have written so many nice small booklets and things that people can get. I mean, run through some of them quickly for us. Tell people where to get them. Okay, well, they can, uh, the, they can get them uh, by emailing me at B, or Bob, underscore, K, Bauer, B-A-U-G-H-E-R, at yahoo.com. B underscore K, Bauer, at yahoo.com. The first book I wrote 20 years ago, which is now sold, if you can believe this, because I self-published, sold more than 50,000 books called A Guide for the the Grief Survivor. And that's the Grief 101 book. You open a tiny page and on one page, you know, one side of the page it has guilt, the other side it has suggestions. How did I write these books from people who gave me input, you know, from people from compassionate friends and widowed people who said, here's what, here's what I experienced, here's what helped me, here's what did. And so I wrote, Mm -hmm. I wrote that several years ago and, Sending out 20 to Amazon.com right now. And I wrote a book on guilt, guilt during bereavement, which, again, people said to me, you know, no one's ever, you know, they asked me to give a workshop years ago on guilt, and I've been giving that over the years. And so years ago, I wrote the book with input on, and these are booklets, you know, as you know, both of 
you know, they're 50, 60 pages. Which is great yeah. because people like a quick read. Yeah, they're not yeah. 300 pages. And, and then another one on right. anger. I got together with Gary Hankins, who's an expert on anger, and his wife, Carol, and we co-authored a book on anger during bereavement. And and then a, a one on homicide with a man who's not a, um, was murdered years ago, and he, he heads the victim services group, and he read it. And then with Jack Jordan, I did the After Suicide Lost book, and so on, so and I did the one on crying as well. And all that was sort of handed to me like, hey, you know, maybe you should write a book. And, and so I did. Awesome. Hey, well, listen, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been uh, great to have you on. You're a great guy. And we're looking forward. You're going to be yeah. at Compassionate Friends. Yeah, in, he's uh, going to be doing his men and Greek workshop, aren't you, Bob? Yes, I am. That's right. Right. Love it. All right. Well, we'll hopefully get together with you there and... Uh, Bob, thank you so much, and thank you just for being the genuine person you are. You have helped thousands and thousands of grieving people over the years, and we appreciate you. Thanks, Heidi. Thank you for everything you're doing. We do. All right. Bye-bye, you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, Heidi, isn't it always great to have Bob on? I love him because he's just so (laughs) real and so down-to-earth, and he connects at such a deep level to people that are walking this path and don't know how they're going to survive. So anyone that's going to any conferences that Bob is, is there at, go to his workshop. You will, he will really teach you some very practical ways of finding hope again. Absolutely. And, you know, Bob goes where angels fear to tread. I mean, compassionate friends is yeah. tough. They don't let everybody in there who aren't bereaved parents, which Bob is not. And he is such a hit there, and he has helped so many people. It's just absolutely amazing thing. Yeah. So we're happy that you've joined us today, and we hope you visit us on our social media, and we hope that you'll remember that we are there for you 24-7. You can get on our radio shows, and you can uh, go on our forums. And we want to remind you that you do not walk alone, and Open to Hope is there for you, and together we can stay hopeful. Thanks for listening. been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.